Welcome to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast, brought to you by Asphalus Advisors and the Disaster Recovery Journal. Crisis management in today's world is ever-changing, and this podcast is our commitment to help you navigate successful outcomes for any crisis you may face. I'm your host, Vanessa Matthews. I specialize in providing insights and solutions for crisis, continuity, and resilience across industries from real estate and healthcare to terrorism in the airline and transportation worlds. No matter what industry you're in, this podcast will provide you the tools to build resilience in your organization. Welcome back to another episode of the Business Resilience Decoded podcast. Today's title is Growing and Developing the Leaders in Your Organization, and I'm super excited to have a great friend, Debbie Maples from Salesforce. She is the Vice President of Global Safety and Security, covering security operations, investigations, and protection. For those of you who have not had the honor, in this episode, Debbie is going to be focusing on the aspects of security, leadership, and resilience. Throughout her career, she has developed talent into strong leaders with strong careers. And in this episode, she's going to be sharing her leadership and talent development tips. So Debbie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Vanessa. It's been a long time. I didn't realize that we're now over that five-year honeymoon. It's a five-year honeymoon. Yeah, so short plug, I met Debbie through the International Organization of Black Security Executives in Florida in 2018. And for those of you who are not familiar with IOBSE, great organization, um, but it's another way of the security world bringing two phenomenal women together. <laughs> so appreciate that. Yeah, so look, we're going to talk about leadership and here's why I love it and love why I'm talking to you about this, you've been in multiple industries. I think I've met you when you were in the retail landscape. You transitioned more into a tech world. You're on the West Coast, but your world has historically centered around security, resiliency, and safety, right? And I believe that while there's things that are very similar from a leadership standpoint, the things within our industry are different than other industries. So first question that I want to ask you is, what are your thoughts to the concept of leaders are born versus leaders are made? I think that there's two camps and I'm in the third. Some people will say that they're they're born leaders. Others will say, no, we develop them. We make them into strong, resilient, gritty leaders. I think it's both. I think there are folks who are very comfortable taking charge and perhaps that's who they are, that's that's in their DNA. But if that is not harnessed, the strength and the resilience of that courageous personality can stall. And so I think both. I think there is a responsibility in development from a leadership standpoint to invest in our folks, to help them to grow in their leadership capability. I think that if you, if that goes untapped, that's a waste. Yeah. That's a shame. I'm so grateful that I had good leaders who saw my potential um, and who invested in me in the early years of my career, who encouraged me, who inspired me. So I think it's both. I'm yeah. both. <laughs> Bucket number three. So, so glad you, you, you talked about that. Someone made an investment in you and they developed you. So let's go back down memory lane. Do you recall 
the first person in your career who you had to develop? And can you kind of talk me a little bit through that experience? Oh, that's so interesting. Well, as a person who grew up in retail, so thank you for sharing that. I feel like I've done every retail loss prevention, corporate security, asset protection job that there is. But the first person that I would probably say I took responsibility for wasn't a person. It was a team. And being a really kind of young and inexperienced leader, I got promoted into a store and um, became the leader of a team that were my friends, which is really hard to lead your friends when you rise from the peer group to become the leader. I do remember that team. And I remember one of the team members who I'm very proud of. And actually she's a member of IOBSC, um, but I'm so proud of her because I think that was a challenging time to have your friend be your now your leader. And I remember her calling me boss lady and I didn't like it very much <laughs> because it felt uncomfortable. But I, I do remember that. And I remember having to think of myself as a leader and the great responsibility that I had in growing um, these two folks. There was a, it was a small team and there was a third person, but they were in a different role and, and had different development needs. One of them became a captain of a police department. The other is a very successful retail um, loss prevention leader. And I remember just knowing that it was up to me to illuminate their already bright light. Mm -hmm. And how did I do that? How would I do that? How would I take opportunities where perhaps as the leader and a skilled, you know, loss prevention player to say, no, it's about them, not about me. You know, how do I, how do I make sure that their work is highlighted and supported so I do remember them. Their names were Tom and Sheila, and they were both very successful. And I think that's the greatest pride you have as a leader, um, especially as you're rising through the ranks. It is about your team and it is about um, maximizing their potential and their capability and the efficiencies in, and understanding that responsibility, I think is probably one of the the greatest displays of leadership that we can offer, not only to others who are looking at us, but as we model it, it becomes a point of inspiration and it becomes a point of, I want to be like that. I had people who I was looking to and thinking to myself, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. And in doing that, you have to unpack what is it about their leadership style that you want to emulate? I love that. So we talked a little bit prior to the podcast, and that's one of the transitions that we're going through in our business is we're in a space where Vanessa Matthews could do it, but we don't run the Vanessa Matthews show. We run as follows advisors. And while she could do it, doesn't mean that you should do it, which means right. it's time to start pivoting and focusing on, on other people. And I am learning so much. And I share with my team all the time, just as much as I'm probably giving you to share and learn, you all are teaching me so much through this same process. So what did you learn about yourself and having to work with and build with this new team? What did you learn about Debbie through that process? I learned that I was selfish, <laughs> that I needed to share. I, listen, I think stars, and I, I, this is not feeling humble, 
But I think that when you are good at what you do, sometimes it's easier to do it yourself. And that's selfish. That is selfish. Teaching others, encouraging them, applauding them, recognizing their skills and their successes is our responsibility. So I learned that I was holding on to too many things. I wasn't delegating enough. And yes, you can delegate yourself into failure, but delegating appropriately and looking at a leadership model of, you know, how do you go from high, being highly directive to being a coach, to being a support, and then to being a leader that you can delegate to. Looking at that development model, that success model is really important to think about and to do and invest in yourself. How do I lead? How do I do this? Um, And that is really important to understand that people are at different levels within their own development. And what do they need most from you to be highly directive to somebody who is really experienced is not supportive. Somebody who you can delegate to, you should just say, hey, go with this. What support do you need? Somebody that you need to teach, you need to tell them. We're going to do step one is this. Step two is that. Let me know if you need some help. Oh, great job. Then you become a coach. Then you become support. And then the highest level of um, leadership is when you can say, you've got this and I'm here for you. Let's check in and let's see how it's going. Yeah. So it's it's also important to know which one of those uh, levers and pillars you need to pull on in in different instances. And so going back to the differences of our industry and how we're kind of uniquely structured, what differences or nuances do you see from a security, resiliency, loss prevention, asset protection perspective as it relates to leadership and development? Yeah, I think leadership in itself, whether you're in the tech world or the retail world or a consulting role, leadership muscle, leadership tactics are the same. I don't think that there is a difference. Pace may be different. Urgency might be different. Crises may be different. I'm in a world where everything is about trust. Everything is about cyber resiliency. Everything is about making sure that we are a very mindful organization about the most important thing that we can do is to stand up trust with our customers. Right? In retail, customers are really important too, but then there's product to protect. So again, transferable skills as a leader in terms of your response in terms of your forecasting, in terms of your strategy, your vision, those are all like considerations. The worlds may be different in their service model, but a good leader is a good leader, no matter what you're leading. There are components of leadership that do not deviate because the business is different. So, you know, whether you're leading a store function or a corporate function or a specialized um, service within your organization, being a good leader, being a good communicator, being professional, being a diplomat at times is going to be transferable regardless of 
what it is that you're leading. That is pretty consistent. I see that all the time. It's like outside of the business world. I see in the nonprofit world. I see in the church community. I see in the academic community that sometimes, you know, the void or the opportunity is in understanding how to be a good leader, how to be a servant leader for your people. We are in service to them. If we want to be good, our people need to be good. Yeah. So we were just on our team call recently and we were talking about the evolving threat landscape and Mm. what are all of the different things that are happening and how it's changing the work environment, the safety and security of that work environment, how people show up, how people take their kids to school. I have a lot of friends who are transitioning to an at-home model. They don't want their kids in the school system because of the violence. And so thinking about the future of leadership, what potential changes do you see as we think about the threat landscape and how will leaders need to adapt or adjust how we're building or making uh, leaders of leaders? Multipliers, if anybody has not um, been exposed to that, but we can be multipliers of great leadership or diminishers of great leadership. I just want to plug that. Liz Wiseman model. I think in that model, Vanessa, there are skill sets that are absolutely necessary for the evolving landscape. We have never lived in a time that we're living in right now. And I think that to be successful in the future, we have to be agile. We really do. We have to understand that it is not the world that we were leading 10 years ago. 20 years ago. Tomorrow's world is much different. The geopolitical conflict that is happening globally, the active threat that is happening with active shooter in the United States, but threat as a whole globally is changing. The mental health crisis that the world is having is changing. We've lived through a pandemic. We've lived through terrorist attacks. And that's not going to go away. It's only going to escalate. Experts strategists, folks who are brilliant with forecasting are telling us, be mindful that what we're seeing now is likely to get worse. It's going to become more complicated. And so in knowing that, we need to make sure that we are looking to the future. What skills do we need on our teams? What experts do we need to advise us? What do we need to do to be ready? Because you can't get ready in the midst of the problem. You need to be ready already. You need to have relationships that are critical for the success of your organization, whether that is crisis consultants, resiliency consultants, resiliency capability, crisis management capability. And if you don't have it, how do you learn? How do you access that? And that is through relationships, especially from my personal perspective with our government agencies. There may be things that we will not be able to resolve by ourselves. We have to have those relationships and you can't form a relationship in the middle of the crisis. You can, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be deep. And there's nobody, there's nothing in it for anybody to help you. They don't know you. And so investing in, you know, what is happening, and I'll just use an example, suicide is on the rise. 
And we just heard an interesting fact from a mental health consultant saying, in the next four years, suicide will be at a rate globally that we've never experienced. Suicide. How do I get involved with suicide? Well, you know what? I've got a call from a human resources leader saying, oh my God, one of my people are saying they can't go on. I don't even know how to respond to this. They are calling their security leaders, their corporate security leaders, their AP leaders, their LP leaders. What do I do? We need to get in front of this now. We need to learn what is the right thing to say? What is the wrong thing to say? How do you lean in? How do you engage law enforcement? How do you engage mental health experts to help you through a time that we've not lived in? We just survived a pandemic. We're here, we're talking, right? But if we had not developed a playbook in the unlikely event of a pandemic, unlikely, well, wait a minute, we just lived through one. It wasn't so unlikely, was it? And all that time in preparing our resiliency plans for a pandemic that would never come, it came. So being thoughtful and mindful of what's ahead, even the unlikely is so critical to the success of a team and an organization. I could talk to you for hours, but I know you have a, a whole portfolio that you are responsible for. So we appreciate your time. What is the best way that our subscribers can connect with Debbie? LinkedIn, Debbie Maples. I'm with Salesforce and I'm on the um, global safety and security team. So let's connect. If you're a part of any of the um, big forums, whether that's as is or GSX, NRF, RELA, IOBSC, I'm a part of all of them. So I hope to meet some of you sometime. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Business Resilience Decoded podcast brought to you by Espalis Advisors and Disaster Recovery Journal. Make sure you check out the show notes for this episode to see all the upcoming events, programs, and ways we can support you. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review, and share it with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you in the next episode.